Chapter 14 of Headlong Hall by Thomas Love Peacock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 14 The Proposals. The chorus which celebrated the antiquity of her lineage had been ringing all night in the ears of Miss Brindle Mugra Malkin Phoebe Tabitha Ap Hidlong, when, taking the squire aside, while the visitors were sipping their tea and coffee, "'Nephew Harry,' said she, "'I have been noting your behaviour during the several stages of the ball and supper, and though I cannot tax you with any want of gallantry, for you are a very gallant young man, nephew Harry, very gallant,' I wish I could say as much for every one, added she, throwing a spiteful look towards a distant corner, where Mr. Jenkinson was sitting with great nonchalance, and, at the moment, dipping a rusk into a cup of chocolate. But I lament to perceive that you were at least as pleased with your lakes of milk punch and your bottles of champagne and burgundy, as with any of your delightful partners. Now, though I can readily excuse this degree of incombustibility in the descendant of a family so remarkable in all ages for personal beauty as ours, yet I lament it exceedingly when I consider that, in conjunction with your present predilection for the easy life of a bachelor, it may possibly prove the means of causing our ancient genealogical tree, which has its roots, if I may so speak, in the foundations of the world, to terminate suddenly in a point, unless you feel yourself moved by my exhortations to follow the example of all your ancestors by choosing yourself a fitting and suitable helpmate to immortalise the pedigree of headlong apriader he can said squire headlong that is very true i'll marry directly a good opportunity to fix on someone now they are all here and i'll pop the question without further ceremony what think you said the old lady of miss nanny glendu the lineal descendant of Llewellyn ap Yorworth. She won't do, said Squire Headlong. What say you then, said the lady, to Miss Williams of Ponteglas, Riederast, the descendant of the ancient family of... I don't like her, said Squire Headlong. As to her ancient family, that is a matter of no consequence. I have antiquity enough for two. The old moderns, people of yesterday, in comparison with us, what signify six or seven centuries, which are the most they can make up? Why, to be sure, said the aunt, on that view of the question it is no consequence. What think you then of Miss Owen, of neither Gigfrein? She will have six thousand a year. I would not have her, said Squire Headlong if she had fifty i'll think of somebody presently i should like to be married on the same day with caprioletta caprioletta said miss brindlemew 
without my being consulted consulted said the squire i was commissioned to tell you but somehow or other i let it slip however she was going to be married to my friend mr foster the philosopher oh said the maiden aunt that a daughter of our ancient family should marry a philosopher it is enough to make the bones of all the apriders turn in their graves i happen to be more enlightened than any of my ancestors were said squire headlong besides it is capriletta's affair not mine i tell you the matter is settled fixed determined and so am i to be married on the same day i don't know now i think of it whom i can choose better than one of the daughters of my friend chromatic a saxon said the aunt turning up her nose and was commencing a vehement remonstrance but the squire exclaiming music has charms flew over to mr chromatic and with a hearty slap on the shoulder asked him how we should like him for a son-in-law mr chromatic rubbing his shoulder and highly delighted with the proposal answered very much indeed but proceeding to ascertain which of his daughters had captivated the squire the squire demurred and was unable to satisfy his curiosity i hope said mr chromatic it may be tenorina for i imagine graciosa has conceived a penchant for sir patrick o'prism tenorina exactly said squire headlong and became so impatient to bring the matter to a conclusion that mr chromatic undertook to communicate with his daughter immediately the young lady proved to be as ready as the squire and the preliminaries were arranged in little more than five minutes mr chromatic's words that he imagined his daughter graziosa had conceived a penchant for sir patrick o'prism were not lost on the squire who at once determined to have as many companions in the scrape as possible and who as soon as he could tear himself away from mrs headlong elect took three flying bounds across the room to the baronet and said so sir patrick i find you and i are going to be married are we said sir patrick then sure won't i wish you joy and myself too for this is the first i have heard of it well said squire headlong i made up my mind to it and you must not disappoint me to be sure i won't if i can help it said sir patrick and i am very much obliged to you for taking so much trouble off my hands and pray now who is it that i am to be metamorphosing into lady or prism miss graziosa chromatic said the squire och violet and vermilion said sir patrick though i never thought of it before i dare say she will suit me as well as another but then you must persuade the old orpheus to draw out a few notes of rather a more magical description than those he is so fond of scraping on his crazy violin to be sure he shall said the squire and immediately returning to mr chromatic concluded the negotiation for sir patrick as expeditiously as he had done for himself the squire next addressed himself to mr escott here are three couple of us going to throw off together with the reverend dr gaster for whipper in now i think you cannot do better than make the fourth with miss cephalus and then as my father-in-law that is to be would say we shall compose a very harmonious octave indeed said mr escott 
nothing would be more agreeable to both of us than such an arrangement but the old gentleman since i first knew him has changed like the rest of the world very lamentably for the worse now we wish to bring him to reason if possible though we mean to dispense with his consent if he should prove much longer refractory i'll settle him said squire headlong and immediately posted up to mr cranium informing him that four marriages were about to take place by way of a merry winding up of the christmas festivities indeed said mr cranium and who are the bodies in the first place said the squire my sister and mr foster in the second miss graziosa chromatic and sir patrick of prism in the third miss tenorina chromatic and your humble servant and in the fourth to which by the by your consent is wanted oh ho said mr cranium your daughter said squire headlong and mr panscope said mr cranium and mr escott said squire headlong what would you have better he has ten thousand virtues so has mr panscope said mr cranium he has ten thousand a year virtues said squire headlong pounds said mr cranium i have set my mind on mr escott said the squire i am much obliged to you said mr cranium for dethroning me from my paternal authority who fished you out of the water said squire headlong what is that to the purpose said mr cranium the whole process of the action was mechanical and necessary the application of the poker necessitated the ignition of the powder the ignition necessitated the explosion the explosion necessitated my sudden fright which necessitated my sudden jump which from a necessity equally powerful was in a curvilinear ascent the descent being in a corresponding curve and commencing at a point perpendicular to the extreme line of the edge of the tower i was by the necessity of gravitation attracted first through the ivy and secondly through the hazel and thirdly through the ash into the water beneath the motive or impulse thus inhibited in the person of a drowning man was as powerful on his material compages as the force of gravitation on mine and he could no more help jumping into the water than i could help falling into it all perfectly true said squire headlong and on the same principle you make no distinction between the man who knocks you down and him who picks you up i make this distinction said mr cranium that i avoid the former as a machine containing a peculiar catapultive quality which i have found to be not consentaneous to my mode of pleasurable existence but i attach no moral merit or demerit to either of them as these terms are usually employed seeing that they are equally creatures of necessity and must act as they do from the nature of their organization i no more blame or praise a man for what is called vice or virtue than i tax a tuft of hemlock with malevolence or discover great philanthropy in a field of potatoes seeing that the men and the plants are equally incapacitated by their original internal organization and the combinations and modifications of external circumstances from being anything but what they are
quod victus fortiarem necessi est since you are defeated you must confess yet you destroy the hemlock said squire headlong and cultivate the potato that is my way at least i do said mr cranium because i know that the farinaceous qualities of the potato will tend to preserve the great requisites of unity and coalescence in the various constituent portions of my animal republic and that the hemlock if gathered by mistake for parsley chopped up small with butter and eaten with a boiled chicken would necessitate a great derangement and perhaps a total decomposition of my corporeal mechanism very well said the squire then you are necessitated to like mr escort better than mr panscoop that is a non sequitur said mr cranium then this is a sequitur said the squire your daughter and mr escort are necessitated to love one another and unless you feel necessitated to adhibit your consent they will feel necessitated to dispense with it since it does appear to moral and political economists to be essentially inherent in the eternal fitness of things mr cranium fell into a profound reverie emerging from which he said looking squire headlong full in the face do you think mr escort would give me that skull skull said squire headlong yes said mr cranium the skull of cadwallader to be sure he will said the squire ascertain the point said mr cranium how can you doubt it said the squire i simply know said mr cranium that if it were once in my possession i would not part with it for any acquisition on earth much less for a wife i have had one and as marriage has been compared to a pill i can very safely assert that one is a dose and my reason for thinking that he will not part with it is that its extraordinary magnitude tends to support his system as much as its very marked protuberances tend to support mine and you know his own system is of all things the dearest to every man of liberal thinking and of philosophical tendency the squire flew over to mr escott i told you said he i would settle him but there is a very hard condition attached to his compliance i submit to it said mr escott be it what it may nothing less said squire headlong than the absolute and unconditional surrender of the skull of cadwallader i resign it said mr escott the skull is yours said the squire skipping over to mr cranium i am perfectly satisfied said mr cranium the lady is yours said the squire skipping back to mr escott i am the happiest man alive said mr escott come said the squire then there is an amelioration in the state of the sensitive man a slight oscillation of good in the instance of a solitary individual answered mr escott by no means affects the solidity of my opinions concerning the general deterioration of the civilized world which when i can be induced to contemplate with feelings of satisfaction i doubt not but that i may be persuaded to be in love with tortures and to think charitably of the rack saying these words he flew off as nimbly as squire headlong himself to impart the happy intelligence 
to his beautiful Cephalus. Mr. Cranium now walked up to Mr. Panscope to condole with him on the disappointment of their mutual hopes. Mr. Panscope begged him not to distress himself on the subject, observing that the monotonous system of female education brought every individual of the sex to so remarkable an approximation of similarity that no wise man would suffer himself to be annoyed by a loss so easily repaired, and that there was much truth, though not much elegance, in a remark which he had heard made on a similar occasion by a post-captain of his acquaintance. That there never was a fish taken out of the sea, but left another as good behind. Mr. Cranium replied that no two individuals, having all the organs of the skull similarly developed, the universal resemblance of which Mr. Panscope had spoken could not possibly exist. Mr. Panscope rejoined, and a long discussion ensued concerning the comparative influence of natural organisation and artificial education, in which the beautiful Cephalus was totally lost sight of, and which ended, as most controversies do, by each party continuing firm in his own opinion, and professing his profound astonishment at the blindness and prejudices of the other. In the meanwhile, a great confusion had arisen at the outer doors, the departure of the ball visitors being impeded by a circumstance which the experience of ages had discovered no means to obviate. The grooms, coachmen, and postilions were all drunk. It was proposed that the gentlemen should officiate in their places, but the gentlemen were almost all in the same condition. This was a fearful dilemma, but a very diligent investigation brought to light a few servants and a few gentlemen not above half seas over, and by an equitable distribution of these rarities, the greater part of the guests were enabled to set forward, with very nearly an even chance of not having their necks broken before they reached home. End of chapter 14